The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today Football Presentation. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Make sure to check out the fine folks of Hoopball on Twitter at HoopballTweets, online hoop-ball.com. And speaking of that, this is the best time to get on with Hoopball because there is so much going down right now with the release of their 2020 draft guide, um, the Brewski 150, everything you're looking for in terms of getting an edge up on the fantasy basketball side, it's all there. Brewski 150, DFS pass, um, the fantasy pass, uh, it, the wager pass, if you're looking for that, the Hoopball 360. This sucker has all of it. So check that out, hoop-ball.com, or follow at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter right now to get the edge there. Level up with Hoopball. I got Justin Matcham back on with me. Justin, good friend of mine, SBC alum. You can find him on Twitter at JustinMatch26, host of the Cavs Central Pod. But today... Because if you listened before, I'm calling y'all out. If y'all listened already, we already talked the Cavs in a deep, deep break. <laughs> We're doing the same treatment to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Justin, how you doing, man, first of all? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm glad to get back on here with you and uh, just, just looking forward to talking Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into them. This has been a team I've been interested in. We've obviously heard so much about them with the NBA draft starting uh, just, what, a week from now? It's kind of crazy to think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so that's been kind of fun. But let's just kind of get into them. The Wolves finished 19-45. and 45. They're 14th in the West, 24th in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating. I want to get your highs and lows on what you think about the Timberwolves, Justin, but I'm going to run through mine real quick. Um, I think a big one was obviously that trade for D'Angelo Russell that also brought Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, that was big for them. That kind of sparked their uh, offensive run. They had a huge win over the Clippers where all three of those guys in their own different way balled out and so that was cool to see um i think a downside was just injuries 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 currently towns got hit pretty bad um we we saw uh, d'angelo russell and him only got to play uh, a little bit together you had injuries up and down the roster even before that time that made it tough for them to find any sort of continuity and and that wasn't the only issue there, there was a few in terms of why minnesota finished with the record they did but, but those are two uh, huge reasons. I think another one would be that the Timberwolves, on, on the plus side, offensively, they cut down the number of long twos. And this is saying a lot for a team that had Andrew Wiggins for most of the season. And they traded them for more three-point attempts and free throws. But unfortunately, it didn't improve their efficiency because they didn't have enough quality shooting to make that work. Um, opposing defenses were just content to let Minnesota shoot away on that end. And as a result, I mean, the Wolves were ranked among the league's worst teams at finishing shots um, in general. Um, and, and, and they were weird because... They were one of the worst at finishing shots inside of five feet, but just overall, they were one of the more inefficient shooting teams all year. I think there was a stat about them being in the top three and three-pointers um, attempted and the bottom three and three-pointers made. So that tells you a lot about the personnel that they had to bear um, and kind of how they ended up where they did. But those were my highs and lows in terms of Minnesota. Just in a brief synopsis, I want to get you, Justin. Uh, what did you think about them? Well, I think for the high of the season, you can just look at those first eight games where, you know, there was kind of that, that culture that they seemed to be trying to build. You know, they kind of pushed that, you know, they had some sort of culture in the preseason. I think they went on a trip to, like, the Bahamas and just, you know, showed how tight-knit of a group they were. And they started out well. You know, they had a good, I think, a 
I think it was like the first eight games of the season, I would say that was the high point for them. And then the low point was pretty much everything after that because we saw, I think it was the infamous, <laughs> the Wolves are going to be bad, the Timberwolves Twitter account mocking everybody else. I remember them posting that out. And then after that, they went on like the longest losing streak in the NBA. So <laughs> overall, I mean, this really was, this was, we saw two completely different Timberwolves teams, um, you know, starting out with, you know, Cat and Andrew Wiggins looking strong. Andrew Wiggins looked a little bit more engaged to start the season. Uh, it looked like, you know, maybe we're going to finally see him turn a corner. Didn't really end up happening. He kind of slipped back into his, his you know, his old ways. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we saw at, you know, at or before the deadline, Kate of Diop, Jordan Bell, Robert Covington, or not, yeah, Robert Covington, Gorgie Jang, Travion Graham, Shabazz Napier, Jeff Teague, Noah Vonley, and Andrew Wiggins all traded away from this team. So I think that just kind of shows you where the front office was at with the direction that this team was going in. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that they kind of, the, the, those trades ended up making them better. Obviously, trading for D'Angelo Russell was another one of the high points of the season. You know, I mean, you can argue about, you know, how effective of a player is D'Angelo Russell really, but I know that that was their guy and just, being able to get them and getting off of that Wiggins contract too, I think was important. And oh, yeah. the overall shakeup I think was necessary there. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely changed things up. Uh, Wiggins was going to be Wiggins and that at this point, you know, you had him for a couple of years, 25, not getting any better. Um, no matter how many promises he can say before max contracts, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I'm with you on that. I did find a stat that I was um, trying to pull up, which is that the Wolves were my third in the percentage of the shots that came from three-point range, 43% of the shots came from three-point range, but they were 28th in actual three-point percentage. They shot at 33%, so that was pretty rough. Um, but, you know, and that's with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns on your roster who's, you know, <laughs> taking eight attempts and hitting 41%. So that just says something around the rest of the team. I think you, you nailed it. That how bad of a shooting team do you have to be that you have one of the better shooters in the NBA, especially one of the best shooting big men ever, and that's what you end up with. So, yeah, I agree with you. And this is even with Malik Beasley in his in games in Minnesota, 20 points a game shooting 42% from three. So, yeah, just 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 got awful from three. I don't think there's any other way to uh, to kind of go into that. Um, What do you think about uh, the Wolves, their coaching staff and their front office? This is relatively new. Uh, you have Gerson Rosas uh, kind of at the helm um, in terms of uh, the GM for Minnesota. Um and he's someone that just came on the scene, a product of Houston, someone that I don't think I think this year will be the first that we kind of see him make some significant moves. Obviously, last year or this past year was making that big move, um, bringing in D'Angelo Russell and 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 Malik Beasley and, and everyone else there. But you also have um, Ryan Saunders, who, you know, son of the late great Flip Saunders. Uh, I don't really have a read on his coaching yet. Another young guy that can conceivably coach, uh, kind of grow with these guys, I guess. Um, but I don't know enough about him to kind of go one way or the other. I was listening to podcast, doing some research, and apparently um, one thing that uh, he likes to say when he's down is, is to push the pace, uh, whether or not the pace is the actual issue. So uh, that's something that I thought was kind of funny. I have to remember the – which again, shout out the podcast I listened to that on, but that's a fun little nugget. But – in terms of, they have a fairly young front office. Uh, what do you think about them moving forward? Any confidence there? I think this past move they just did, bringing in those reinforcements that could kind of stick with the team long term, is definitely an encouraging sign. But um, what's your thoughts on that, Justin? 
Well, I definitely, I, I do like Gerson Rosas. I think that was a good hire for them. I think, you know, a front office that needed to make a little bit of a shakeup, they did that by getting him. Um, I think he proved that, you know, when he really, really wants to get something done, he's able to. I mean, it was the league's worst kept secret that they wanted to get D'Angelo Russell on their team, even back when he went to Golden State. So being able to, to find a way to to do that, and obviously, you know, they, they did have to part with quite a bit, but they did also get off the Wiggins contract in that deal, which I think is something. I, I just don't think that that was ever going to work out there, but just him proving that he is able to get done what he wants to get done and him showing that he's not afraid to shake up the roster. You know, we saw the moves that were made. Overall, I, I am a believer in Gerson. I think he's done a, a, a fine job there so far. Obviously, we have to see what he does moving forward. This period of time is going to be really, really important for this franchise this offseason, so we'll see how he handles this. As far as Ryan Saunders, um, I think – at the time that he was hired, you know, I think they just needed to get Tom Thibodeau out of there. I just don't think that was ever going to work out. Um, really, that was just – at the time, I think it was needed just to get somebody in there who was younger. Um, I'm not sure that he's the guy moving forward. I remember at the time that he was hired, they really didn't interview anybody else. They just kind of went with him. But um, overall – I'm not sure if he's the guy there for them long-term. Um, I haven't been super-duper impressed by him. But he, he seems to be, like, I think it, he's in theory, like you said, somebody who can who is very young, who can kind of grow with this team. So there is a possibility of that, but I, I wouldn't bet on Saunders being the coach of this team in, say, three years. That's actually a pretty good window. I was going to give it two. Um, as someone who you're right, like, you know, he's going to help this team maybe get from one level to the other. I guess that's the hope. But I, I don't think long-term, that is someone that you look at that says, okay, I see the, the makings of, of a long-term uh, coach here with the, with the acumen and the coaching chops needed to kind of bring this team to the next level. He seems definitely like a stair-step level, stair step kind of level type of coach to me. And someone who, um, you know, it, it means a lot to Minnesota, obviously a lot to him um, to be able to get this position and to be able to try to work with this team. But just in terms of how long-term that's going to manifest itself – I'm not overly optimistic. I do like what Gerson Rosas is already doing, at least in Minnesota, not being afraid to make moves happen. I definitely wouldn't call him a David Connor or anything, so that's promising. But, um, yeah. That's I, a good I, thing. I, there you go. Exactly. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm with you in terms of, yeah, I have some apprehension, but, like, right now it's not horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, all right, so let's kind of move right on into the players that are currently under contract uh, for Minnesota. So, uh, we have a kind of start with the big two, Carl uh, Dean Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Towns having just another rock-solid season for the Timberwolves, as he's had uh, pretty much since he's been here, at least on the offensive end, uh, for certain. 26 points a game on 50% shooting, 41% from three, going along with 10 rebounds and four assists per game. Uh, one of the, I would say, the best offensive center right now in the game. I'm I'm probably saying that too quickly no running through my head no I, i'm gonna stand by that one um what do you think about carl the towns and just 24 i might add i think if you're just looking at just a pure offensive force you're probably right there i think Jokic is the guy that's close to him there we go but, that's yes but i just kept shooting and just over I, he's so bad on defense and that's where he gets knocked down a couple pegs mm. but the offense is legitimately one of the better offensive centers you've ever seen um yeah, just somebody who really had a really, really good year. Obviously, he wasn't an all-star, didn't make all-NBA or anything. He did deal with some injuries. 
Um, but yeah, like like I alluded to earlier, shot 41% from three on eight attempts. That's really, really good. Um, the, the biggest problem for him was just that he was a mess on defense this year. And whether that's a lack of effort, whether it's just, you know, working back from injuries or whatever else, I think especially on a team like this, he's really going to need to lock in on that end next year if they want to do anything because I think it's fair to say we'll, we'll get into some other players here. This is not a team that is built to play defense the way it is right now. So the, the success of him, the, the success of this team is going to really, I think, depend on a guy like Cat and his ability to be engaged on both ends of the floor next season. Yeah, I agree. They only go as far as he goes on that end. I feel bad because – it seemed like when he first came his rookie year under Kevin Garnett, like he had some promising signs. And since then, whether it's more of an offensive load or just, I think it's also just to make some overall regression on that end. He just hasn't been nearly as effective. So I'm with you on that. But yeah, offensively, the way the dude can shoot coming off of screens, it's just insane. Yeah. Some of the size and being able to be skilled shooting in the post, his passing 4.4 assist um, would be third on this team. Um, if we're going by, you know, at least uh 30 games played, um, or, or, yeah, so you're looking at that, and you're like, wow, that, that's really effective there. Uh, and, yeah, defensively, it's kind of where it's all going to kind of fall on. But let's talk about his uh, his running mate, the guy that they, they, you know, he traded over, or he, I would definitely uh, say, had some influence in the Timberwolves trading four from Golden State, Dancer or Russell. Only played 12 games with Minnesota, uh, basically 21 points, four rebounds, and six assists. Shot the three ball, okay, 34% on nine attempts a night. He was definitely getting it up. During that time, 41% from the field overall. I tend to be unreasonably high on D'Angelo Russell for someone who defensively is just as bad as Cat, if not uh, several degrees worse. Um, offensively, someone who probably needs to be on the ball, even though he has enough shooting that you think he would be able to scale kind of that to play off ball more. Um, and I mean, I remember, don't remember any breakout games for him with Minnesota, but one could just just be excited by the prospect of him and Anthony um Carl Anthony Towns on the offensive end and just shake in their boots literally on both of them being caught on the defensive end or let her help being put in the pick and roll. So um, what do you think about uh, D'Angelo Russell? Not only hit your thoughts on the trade when he kind of went to Minnesota, but where do you think he fit long-term, which is interesting when we get to like the draft. Well, he's under a max contract until 2023. So he's here to stay. And I think you can look at, you know, what he does on the floor but what's just as important is, you know, what he is off the floor as, you know, one of Carl Anthony Towns' friends and somebody who makes him want to stay here. So I think that's of equal importance in this situation. But um, looking at what he does on the floor, um, he, he did kind of provide a spark for him, um, somebody who can get his own shot well, a, a really a fun player. I don't think you can argue that. But he does have his limitations. He's not the best athlete. Um, obviously, again, just as bad, if not worse, than Cat on defense. Um, really, really no hope for them on that end. It's just something you're going to have to deal with. I mean, and you can you can have success with those types of guys. But with D'Angelo Russell in particular, obviously, you know, you have the shooting, the playmaking. It's just, I'm, I'm, he kind of has that little mid-range game, but as far as getting to the rim, that's an area, again, where he can struggle a little bit at times just because of that lack of athleticism. Um, like I said, the Timberwolves got the guy they wanted. Um, I'm not sure if you can build a championship team around Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, but again, Gerson has proven to be somebody who is not afraid to go after someone and get give up basically everything to get him. So mm -hmm. I think if they can get a third piece, I'm not going to say Devin Booker, but just 
whoever, if they can get a third guy in there, I think you, th- there is a world where you can make that work. But um, I, I would say you don't have forever to do it. Both of these guys are still young, but I don't think that these two are going to be I mean, it's currently constructed. We can get into this later too. I don't think these two are good enough to make you a playoff team, quite frankly. But um, at least with this current team. But a good piece moving forward, and again, just keeping Carl Anthony Towns happy is, I think, equally important as what he does on the floor for this team. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the thing is, these guys are gonna. These guys are like you said, here to stay. They're gonna be the guys uh, moving forward that you're gonna be looking at. So. You, you, this is what you have to deal with moving on. This is uh, what Minnesota has to kind of just get used to. You're going to be with a lot of these guys. So yeah. just, just, you're going to see a lot of them. Let's get used to it. So let's kind of go on to their young swingmen. Um, you have a 21-year-old Josh Akoji, and you have 20-year-old Jared Culver. Both these guys are pretty active on the defensive end. I think there's some more promising uh, – well, I mean, they both average the same assists per game. I think there's more promising playmaking in Jared Culver. Both these guys, I think the best can be described as – defensively uh pretty solid with some promise offensively yikes um both shot sub 30 percent from three that's right sub 30 percent from three uh koji took two and a half uh culver took three and a half um koji shot 26 percent culver shot 29 percent uh both these guys averaged under 10 points a game eight for koji and nine for culver and i mean it was actually pretty similar i mean you got eight four and one and a half assists for koji you have nine three and 1.7 assists for culver I mean, it's, it, it's hard to describe these guys. I just feel they're carbon copies of the same thing. Like, wing guys who can't shoot that can kind of play some defense, but they're going to get a lot of minutes and are going to give you the same production. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is a fair comparison to say that Jarrett Culver is just kind of a, a stretched-out version of Josh Okogie. I think Okogie's a little bit you know, more compact, where Culver's a little bit more wiry, but... Okogi in particular is somebody who I, I really do like as a player, especially on this team. Just a team that is desperate for defense. Okogi is a high-level defender. He gets stuff done on that end. Um, he's active with steals, you know, getting in passing lanes. He's someone who can get you a block. Um, overall, like you said, offensively very limited. He's a career 27% three-point shooter, you know, through these two, first two seasons of his career. But really just plays with a ton of energy. And I think he probably starts slots in as the starter the next season for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if say they bring back Willie Beasley and draft a wing, he, maybe not. But overall, um, just really, really, like I said, somebody who this team desperately needs, high-level energy defender who gets stuff done on that end. And one quick note about him, too, as well. Um, he has shot close to 80% from the line this past season, which again, we talked wow. about, you know, free throw shooting being a, a generally good indicator. Um, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a good shooter, but I think that, you know, he's not doomed on that, in that aspect of his game. I think that there's, we, we could see that, you know, 27 jump up to maybe 32 to 33 in the near okay. future, which obviously isn't great, but that's something that's respectable. So Okogi in particular, yeah, somebody I'm, I'm really, really, high on as a player. Um, I, I see him more as, you know, just kind of a, a fringe starter, but somebody who is valuable to whatever team he's on. Looking okay. over at Culver, or what mm-hmm. were you saying? Oh, no, I'm saying I'm agree with you. I, I like the breakdown on Koji because I was actually a little lower. I'm like, looking forward to hear what you had to say for Culver. For Culver, um, somebody who's coming off a rough rookie season, again, you can say a lot of the same things about him. Um, 
somebody who really is a good athlete and has good length, really long, um, could be another one of their best defenders this coming season, assuming that he's still on the team. Um, not as active on that end as Okogi, but I think just, again, that length and athleticism kind of can make up for maybe some of the instincts that he lacks in comparison to Okogi. Mm-hmm. Much, much more raw on offense um, than he is mm-hmm. on defense. Um, and I think that's where you really, really kind of struggle with him because coming out of college, he looked like, you know, he might be someone who was a shot maker. I think was he from Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Watching, yeah, you got him it. Tech, watching him at Texas Tech, you know, it looked like he might have a little bit of that, that pull up potential in the mid range. And it just, it never really translated. Um, he is someone who can handle the ball for you, which I would say he does a better job than Okogi yet. He is, he soaked up some of their point guard minutes last season. Last season they had D'Angelo Russell, Jordan McLaughlin, um, Andrew Wiggins for part of the time. But other than that, um, Jerk Culver did play some minutes at point guard, and I think he proved that he was capable enough at it. You know, showed some playmaking ability, not a ton, but overall capable of doing it. I, I would still put him as more of a natural two or three moving forward. I don't think in an ideal situation you would do that unless you absolutely have to. The Timberwolves, uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. Um, it, it seems like they're ready to move on from him already. Um, would you say that it's still early to do so? I would, especially since between him and Okoji, I do like the fact that he can bring the ball up, kind of be a secondary initiator. I wish he wasn't so much more like an Evan Turner on that end. You know, being able to shoot a jumper would be nice. Um, and, I mean, even it, during his three-point shooting got better, like, during the course of the year, at least the last couple of months. But the problem is his free throw shooting stayed just as abysmal as it was, which, obviously, if you, you know, free throws being used a lot to scale um, outside shooting and, and the success rate of that moving forward, not super great for him. So, I don't know. I, at the same time, I feel like his minutes fluctuated. He did start 35 of the Timberwolves 63 games, so there's something to be said there. He's only 20. I think, I think. I don't know. I feel like I wish he was better um, as a shooter. Uh, shooting 46% yes. from the free throw line as a, it just is rough in general. Even for someone who shot 68% at Texas Tech, um, that's kind of what I look at as something I, I wish he would improve upon. Um I feel like he can kind of be a jack-of-all-trades type of dude if he can improve that outside jumper. But that lack of consistency on offense and, and the inexperience on defense did kind of hurt him. At the same time, I just feel like it's maybe just a touch too soon. But if there's someone that you can get back a, a value that you know is going to be able to contribute right away, then I I don't think he's like a, a top-tier prospect. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel so By the way, real quick, yeah. too. You mm-hmm. mentioned Evan Turner. Shout-out to Evan Turner, who is still technically on the Timberwolves roster as of today. Oh, yeah, isn't he, like, holding out, not really, sort of, kind of, I don't know what he's doing there? He was, he, he never, like, reported, he never, you know, did anything for him. I don't think he ever reported to the team, but uh, he never got bought out either, so technically he's still on the roster until free agency hits. Yeah, yeah, that's, wow, that is, uh, <laughs> that is something else. There we go. So, Evan Turner, uh, there's your breakdown. You got a shout-out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's have these guys who are, are still on, um, you already have a, a Nas Reed and um, Jake Lehman, and these guys are already here. I think Jared Vanderbilt was as well. I don't know if he came over in that yeah. trade. Okay, so let's talk about these guys. Um, I like Nas Reed. I think he was someone who kind of banged around, had a little bit of outside touch. I think he could be like a serviceable backup, you know, two-cat, kind of swing between that power forward and center position uh, with some decent offensive versatility. Not ever going to be a guy you, like, go to or even play through or something like that, but someone that can kind of fill a role in and do it pretty well. Uh, and I, w- I was impressed with him on that end. Jake Lehman, I feel like another, you know, he's had spurts of 
uh, watching were, you know, solid shooter, uh, good flash of athleticism. Definitely not going to be a guy that you're going to look at as like a long-term rotation fit for years to come, but someone who played a role, I thought, pretty well in Minnesota. Uh, and, and what are your thoughts on those guys and uh, Jared Vanderbilt? We'll start with Naz Reed. I just want to say I love Naz Reed. Um, it is a crime that he went undrafted when he did. Yeah, um, wow. Really just kind of embraced the role of just a stretch five gunner from deep. Um, <laughs> really just and – and it worked, and he proved that he was able to. Um, mm-hmm. I think overall his athleticism is a bit of a concern, and I, I don't know if he can play the four really long term. He he really needs to lose some weight. Um, he's, he's one of the bigger, I think, like – is it body fat index or whatever, but he's oh, like one of the yeah. highest in, he's one of the highest in the league there. And I think that may have been part of the reason he went undrafted just because he was not in the best shape. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy who kind of fits into their defensive struggles. Um, he averaged six fouls from per, per 36 minutes. Um, overall, you can just say that, you know, he was part of the problem on that. End. And I think just losing a little bit of weight and getting a little bit quicker would definitely help him there. But he is, you know, he's a big guy. He's a bruiser. Um, and having someone like that who can shoot the ball as well is really valuable to a team. I expect him to be the backup center for this team next year. And having two centers that can shoot, and um, Kat and Naz Reed, both on high volume, I believe, I, I think that that was a fantastic get for him. I think he was on a two-way originally for them. Mm, and then yeah. really just showed out right away and got a full contract that he completely deserved. So someone who definitely has a spot in this league. And, um, I mean, maybe I have a little bit of a personal soft spot? For, a little bit of a soft spot for Naz Reed. I did give him a hallway, or I gave him a hallway. I gave him a high five in the hallway uh, at the Summer League a couple of years ago. Oh, so, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. You definitely, I get you. I got a little bit of a soft spot for him. But I, I, I genuinely do, like, you know, a shooting five like that who can shoot on high volume Despite his limitations, that's something that holds value in the league. So we can move on from him with that. Looking at uh, Jake, looking at Jake Wayman here, um, he's on a pretty good contract for the next couple seasons here with the Timberwolves. Just someone who can, who's a rotational piece. You know, I mean, he gives you a little bit of creation on offense. He's another guy who kind of dealt with injuries for much of the season. Never really got to get into rhythm. You would yeah. think about it when you look at him. Another guy who's really kind of a poor shooter. He shot 31% from three for his career. Oh, um, and you just man. think guys who, you know, we talk about the problem with this team, you know, being like a lot of attempts and not a lot of makes. He's another one of those guys that takes a lot and doesn't make a lot. Overall, though, um, holds up well enough on the defensive end. I don't think he's really a plus or a glaring minus on that end. But overall, someone who can do a little bit in pick and roll, who can get his own shot here or there. Again, I think... You expect him to be a better shooter than he is, but he can knock down threes to an extent. Another guy who's just a, a solid rotation piece, especially on his contract. I think he's making less than $4 million a year for the next couple seasons. So that's another guy who nobody would mind having in the rotation, um, someone who can also be a, a spot starter if necessary. So mm-hmm. overall, you know, just a, a quality player. But overall, I think the Timberwolves would like to see those shooting numbers come up a little bit and just – it, that's not someone you expect to be as poor shooter as he is. I just feel like someone who who has a good looking release. It just obviously hasn't fall, fallen enough for him. And yeah. uh, was Jeff Vanderbilt the last guy you wanted to look at? That was the guy. Yep. Um, I, Jared Vanderbilt's an interesting one because really just like looking at him as a person, he's a physical specimen. He has 
really, really long arms, you know, just a really strong looking guy. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I may have seen him a couple times playing in the NBA, but he just never gets missed wherever he is. He was in Denver and he never played. And he really didn't play a lot in Minnesota either. I mean, where I've seen him play most is again in the summer league. Um, I've seen him play quite a bit there and really someone who in that situation, you know, again, just a heck of an athlete, heck of a, a physical player, um, shown some ability to handle the ball some too as well. Um, I, I'd say he's more of a power forward. I think he can kind of, in an ideal world, he, he developed to where he can kind of play a little bit of three, maybe a little bit of five. I don't know if we'll ever get there with that, but overall a, a very intriguing prospect, at least from a physical standpoint. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, he's a guy I didn't remember watching too much of in Minnesota. I barely remember seeing him in Denver, so you're right. He's another guy that gets a lot of run um, during the summer league. And you mentioned Jake Lehman as far as someone who, yeah, every time I watch him, look, his shot looks fine. And then uh, you look and it's like, wow, at 31%, that is not good. And uh, he is entering the last year of his uh, contract uh, before becoming an unrestricted free agent. So he might be a, a piece that, you know, we're going to give this a little later, but if the Timberwolves are – you know, out of playoff contention, uh, maybe they can offload and get get something back, uh, depending on if someone else is uh, taken by the, the tantalizing prospect of Jake Lehman. So that's someone there. Um, let's talk about the guys who kind of came over uh, from Golden State. And it's kind of weird because I remember them vaguely more from Golden State than Minnesota. But we're looking at, like, Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman. Um, I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sure. I just had this up. Um, no, I think Jake I have. Morris, Spellman, D'Lo. I think that's all they got from That's Golden. it. Okay, so I had – okay, see, I'm – after last time when you got those two ways, now I'm making sure I get all my uh, my T's <laughs> crossed and my eyes dotted. So between uh, uh, Evans and Spellman, what are your thoughts on them? Because uh, I thought Evans was – no, I'm not going to laugh. I thought he was rather disappointing in Golden State. Um, and then Amari, I mean, he's good. I think he's a guy that maybe got a little slimmer. might be more of, of, of an interest in terms of a prospect, but, like, I have limited thoughts on Golden State because I'm not going to lie to you. I watched a whole ton of Golden State basketball this past year. I'll be honest. I watched a lot of Golden State basketball this past year. Wow. They suck, but they were the team that was always on national TV. So even with League Pass, I'd often just turn on the national game. And <laughs> they just so happened to be playing because they were supposed to have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all that. So I did yeah. catch a lot of their games. Um, I, don't, I, I probably regret watching them as much as I did, <laughs> but I did watch them. Oh, I, I give you power to you for that. <laughs> we'll look at um, Omari Selman first. I really don't know what to make of him. Um, kind of a good a, a good comeback story is just a person, first of all. You know, when he was drafted to Atlanta with, I think, the 30th overall pick, mm-hmm. someone who really, I think, battled with depression a lot and did gain a lot of weight there. And it seems like in Golden State, you know, he had turned a corner just as a person. I think he really he came out and said that, you know, he was in a much better mental place. So I'm happy for him there. As far as, you know, who he is as a player, I think, you know, as a prospect, he was kind of hoping to be, you know, someone who could kind of stretch the floor, build it at the four, um, guard both the four and five spots, maybe play a little bit of five. I really don't know what to make of him at this point. He kind of fell out of favor in Golden State as well, and when he was traded to Minnesota, I don't even think he played a game in Minnesota for him. I don't even know if he dressed. Um, um, at, at the time of the trade happening, there was, there was question of whether he would ever meet, even make the team. They might have there was discussion over whether he'd be cut or not right away. He stayed on the team, but I don't think he ever suited up for him. So maybe we'll see him this year. Maybe not. I really, um, 
I don't have a, a, a real opinion on what Omari Spellman is right now, just because we didn't really see him and we haven't for a while. So yeah, I feel that one way or the other. Yeah, uh, looking at at Jacob Evans, I am not a Jacob Evans guy. I didn't really understand the pick when the Warriors took him. Um, <laughs> he's been able to do anything for the Warriors. I, I'm, I'm just I'm not sure what he's good at. Again, he's he's got a decent you know. Decent body for a small forward, you know. I think what is he six seven, mm-hmm. athletic, you know, but just really no real basketball skill. There's not one thing that stands out about him, and you know that you can look at and say, "Hey, you're you're up to an NBA level in this in this category." I, I really I really don't see the appeal with him. Um, overall, might be someone who who stays in the roster another year until you know this contract is up. But I really. Not a Jacob Evans guy. Never really have been. Don't see what he brings to a team, or what he what he really brings on the floor at any time. So that's pretty much my uh, my Jacob Evans take. Um, looking at some other young guys on this roster, um, someone oh. like Justin. Sorry. I gotta apologize to you. I was talking the entire time. I'm on mute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was, I was like, um, yeah, no, 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 that was not meant. I, I'm over here talking, and then you said, so that's my take. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, not, like, I'm not. <laughs> all right, we're good, then. We're good. Okay, no, I'm, I'm tell, I appreciate you, Justin. I'm going to tell the listeners, I'm not editing it out. I'm not. So, like, <laughs> the awkward silence, y'all. Listen, I had my, had my mic muted to just make sure I wasn't making any sounds while Justin was talking. Then I tried to get some feedback, and that awkward 30-second silence was me talking to myself. So, um, basically, Justin, what I was saying was I appreciate <laughs> your take because I don't remember a lot of watching Jacob Evans. But, like, what I did, I was like, okay, like, he's an NBA player, I guess. Like, I don't – there's no, like, actual skill that I'm like, okay, that's NBA-level competency on X, Y, or Z. You know, he's just, he's just a guy. And and, and get, listen, to get to the NBA, you have to be a really good player, so I'm not trying to disrespect anyone that way. But, like, as far as, far as long-term value to Minnesota, uh, no, I don't see it. I didn't see it in Golden State. I don't see it here. And let's just take a sidebar. Golden State's had some really wonky drafting the last couple of years. I get drafting at the end of the, of the first round every year, but I've seen other teams swing and, and actually make some connections there. Golden State hasn't even been close. I, I mean – Eric Pascal was a good later round pick, or later in the you, round. Like, pick. I mean, two K like, must have they rated better than uh, De- than uh, Draymond Green. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that Pascal is going to be a good player. Uh, I, I'm not really a big Jordan Poole believer. No, I don't man, know I'm if like, he's ever going to get there. Um, he's going to rely on volume scoring, and he he shot a lot, but he didn't make a lot this year. But the door's not closed with him. Speaking of a former uh, Timberwolf, I really thought that the, the Warriors were going to draft Kade Bates Diop when really? uh, they took Evans, and I thought that would have been a much better fit for them. Someone who, even though he's a guy that hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity, didn't get an opportunity in Minnesota, really didn't get an opportunity in Golden State. That's someone who I, I feel is more of an NBA-ready player, and I thought that that was who they were going to take. Kind of mm-hmm. going to the Warriors more than the T-Wolves here, but it kind of makes sense. No, exactly, exactly. We needed that sidebar, especially we need something to – to give them extra value after I uh, blacked out for a minute there. <laughs> but um, let's uh, move on to uh, the free agents here. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Corbin, Corbin, Corbin. I know I know what you're going to say. We made the same mistake last time. Oh, okay, listen. Another... We have Jalen Noel. 
We have we got Jordan McLaughlin, guys. Keelan Martin, we got right? Jordan McLaughlin, Kalan Martin, and James Johnson, who is definitely going to pick up that player option. Oh my gosh! Every time he gets me, listen, y'all. I make the template the way I have it set up. It's 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 players under contract, free agents. I don't even think I have my two way contracts that I have it written down to set piece of paper. So I failed again. Jalen Noel's under contract. Come on. Wait, wait, where? Jalen Noel. Oh, he's he was yes, Oh my gosh, one year plus team option. I'm dropping it, y'all. I'm dropping it. Let's talk about Jalen Noel. In fact, I'm gonna let the floor to you while I uh, try to pick up the man's dignity right now. <laughs> All right. Well, um, someone who this is really just a uh, you know get his feet wet year. Um, played in 15 games for the Wolves. Played a lot of the season in Iowa with the Iowa Wolves, the G League team. Someone who he he put up 21 points a game in Iowa. You know, someone who does have that scoring potential. Not obviously at 21 points in the NBA. But someone who can fill it up a little bit. Um, he, he, like I said, he really did just kind of struggle to acclimate a little bit in the NBA. It took him. I remember watching some Teals games when he first finally cracked into the rotation, and it took him forever to hit his first NBA three. He was just chucking and chucking and chucking and chucking and chucking. And it took him forever. I think he finished at about 11 percent on the season, if I'm not wrong. I have to look it up, but I think it was around 11 percent. Which I again, yikes! That's ugly. That that was 15 games and. Again, for a, a new guy who it took him a few days, a few games, and a lot of shots to finally hit one. Um, overall, kind of hard to judge who he'll be off of this season. It was really just a you know getting his feet wet season. But someone who definitely I think has potential to be an NBA player. Again, I think he showed that he does have that scoring ability, even if he didn't present it with the Timberwolves this year. Okay. All right, I get that. I mean, anytime I, I, I mean, I get the, I guess in this NBA, then having to take those shots, um, I still think it's a lot of attempts to have a lot of misses in that many amount of games. Even though it's a small sample size theater, it's an ugly theater. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. But yeah, I mean, listen, you think you guys got more Jalen, uh, Jalen Noel content than I than I had planned on that one. I'm slipping on that. But I, again, appreciate you, Justin, covering everyone here. Um, let's talk about the two-way guys. I was going to mention Jordan McLaughlin because he's someone that I think played really strong as a backup point guard uh, for Minnesota and one that I think that, I, I, I mean, yes, two-way player, uh, 23 out of USC, someone that I don't know if he should be, you know, if you can get a lamella ball, we'll talk about the draft in a little bit here, then sure. But I feel like if you have a better – fit or if the Timberwolves see a fit that they think is more of a position of need, then do that. Because I actually do like the way Jordan McLaughlin played down the stretch of the season for Minnesota. No, I definitely think that McLaughlin is a, he, he proved himself to be an NBA player this season without yep. a doubt. Definitely a, a very quality or, or a high quality backup point guard. Overall, just, you know, I mean, he's small and he's definitely undersized. He's not the strongest guy. He's pretty thin as well. But really, really quick has that kind of jitteriness that stops start in his game. Um, proved to be a capable three-point shooter, um, a, a good playmaker. Again, on a team that needed some point guard play this year, he was their starting point guard for a while. And I, after they traded Jeff Teague, I really think he did well in that role. Um, overall, again, not a guy who's probably ever going to be a starter. Another guy who struggles on defense just because of his size. But yeah, I don't think that between between D'Lo and Jordan McLaughlin, obviously, again, if if Lamelo's there and that's the guy you want to take because you think he's the best player, you take him. Yeah. But I wouldn't call, assuming that they bring Mike McLaughlin, I wouldn't call point guard a big, big need on this team, and he's the big reason for that. 
There you go. I feel you on that for sure. For sure. Um, I guess from that, do you have any thoughts on the other uh, two-way guy, uh, Kalen Martin? Kalen Martin, yeah, he was um, he he was another good guy for him. Um, he he, I think started some games for him too. Kind of a three-four. Um, I a lot of people have him listed as a three. I've always seen him as more of a four, but someone Mm -hmm. who can knock down some shots and really just again proved that he is a capable rotation player for him. So. They they really between the, you know Naz Reed and Jordan McLaughlin and Kalan Martin I think they've really hit some home runs on their two way guys and you know all of these guys have developed into at least on this team you know I don't know if on a good team Kalan Martin is someone who would really be a rotation player but I don't think he's super far away from that either I think okay. you know, being a, a bigger forward who can hit some threes that's that's basically what you get from him. Okay, I'm with you on that. So maybe some potential on the back end of the bench for them, for them. Um, get some minutes, especially with Minnesota trying to kind of adopt more of that three-point shooting profile. Maybe you can kind of fit there. Yeah. I feel it. All right, I guess with that, now we turn to um, our free agents. I already mentioned James Johnson being on the player option. 33, I do think he has some um, interesting fit, at least for this year. Definitely possibly a trade chip. You've heard lots about him being moved as a massive expiring uh, maybe a stepladder trade, you name it. There's been talks about uh, James Johnson being in it. But as terms uh, as value added to the Timberwolves, I like him as like this kind of undersized, but like playmaking big. You know, he can shoot a little bit, he can pass a little bit, he can do everything in little quantities. Um, But I think that it was a different look that they flashed in Minnesota this year with him uh, in the games that he did play. And I think that's one that they could use if they're going to end up keeping him um, for the duration of the year, because he's most certainly picking up that option. Uh, there's no way he wouldn't. So, uh, what do you think about James Johnson's fit? Obviously, I want to go super deep in him, but just someone that, you know, at this stage of his career, he kind of peaked in, uh, you know, Miami, those those first two years of the contract, and now he's kind of doing what we expected when he signed that contract, which is kind of just flaming out. Yeah, um, again, he has that $16 million player option. He's without a doubt going to pick that up, and that is, uh, he is a good trade piece for this team, you know, for no other reason other than the fact that he's going to be making $16 million. Like you alluded to, he kind of peaked in Miami. He's got that big contract. We're seeing the very end of that now. But, yeah, I like him as a player overall. I think I would like him more on a minimum than I would on $16 million. But, um, like you said, just kind of – I've seen him described as, like, a curveball type of player, someone who mm-hmm. just brings you a little bit of everything. He's kind of a small, big – I would list him as more of a natural power forward, but you can play him in small ball five lineups, I think. Yeah. Um, not the best shooter, but gives you something there. A little bit of playmaking, um, a little bit of defense. Overall, just a very, very versatile player. Even if he's not great at one thing, I, I think he he does provide something for your team. I think another just another guy who's just kind of a fun player. I think you know, just because he does just give you a little bit of everything. Yeah, he's solid. And, and maybe not someone that's going to, I mean, as a quality kind of rotation guy, I definitely don't think of him as like a top backup, but someone whose skills are, no, uh, yeah. are, are are pretty decent for what they are, you know? Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, so let's move on from there to um, another unrestricted guy. We already mentioned him before as well, but uh, Evan Turner. Uh, I guess I don't see a future in Minnesota. He didn't even have one when he came. Let's just talk about him for like a brief second. Do you still see him in the NBA next year? Evan Turner. Ah, and I, I kind of thought he, I, I'm not sure why <laughs> the buyout didn't happen. I guess he just wanted to take the money and he didn't want to deal with anything else. Maybe mm-hmm. that was telling. Maybe he didn't want to buy out because he didn't think he had any market. 
I thought that maybe mm. there would have been a team out there, especially, I mean, obviously he didn't know at the time that there were going to be replacement players in the bubble, but I think if he were a free agent, he definitely would have been picked up by some team as a replacement player. Yeah. But, um, ah, it's Evan Turner in the NBA. I think it's the end of the line. I, I, ah, I, I struggle with that because I do think he still has a role. Um, uh-huh. I think at the end of Portland there, like, he had a good playoff run for Portland. Overall, kind of struggled to find a role there. Went to Atlanta and was kind of forced into that backup point guard role because they mm-hmm. just didn't have anybody else behind Trey Young. Uh, it seems like that kind of was going to be a good role for him because he's someone who just kind of needs the ball in his hands all the time, even though he can't really do anything with it all the time because he can't shoot. Yeah. But I think ah, I struggle with that. I think he'll he'll get a shot somewhere else next season. Where is that place? I have no clue. But I, I think that Evan Turner gets a shot somewhere. I think just being a point forward who can play one through three really, not kill you on defense. I'll, I'll say uh, it's probably not in Minnesota, but I think he'll be somewhere next season. Okay. Hey, I accept it. I mean, I, I look at it as maybe one of those guys that the value's kind of fade just a little bit. Maybe there's another guys out there that uh, I think when you – Pick a player like that or upside, you know, they're trying to go with the upside. So I'm, I'm more uh, pessimistic on his long-term chances, which is a shame because, you know, he seems like a nice guy like Evan Turner. Uh, have a Philadelphia yeah. 76ers shirt with his name on it. So that tells you uh, where I am there. But, um, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. But, yeah, long-term, long story short, we can both agree that that future, um, wherever it may be, if it does contain the NBA, will not be in Minnesota. So that's something there. I guess that kind of leads us to the restricted free agents that – the, the, the shining jewels of the trade that brought in, of course, D'Angelo Russell as well. But we're with Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. And, and let's start with Juancho Hernan Gomez because I think he's kind of interesting. Um, coming over a uh, uh, four that, you know, has a little bit of stretch, three potential. Well, not a little bit. He can kind of do that. Coming from Denver, uh, in his 14 games, he shot 42%. Um, Am I shooting? Looking at that? Yeah. For whatever reason, I see Juancho when I see Juan on Pro Basketball Reference and I'm getting myself thrown off. But... <laughs> 12 points, 7 rebounds, uh, 42% from three on just under five attempts a night. A guy who I think defensively can shift, shift a little bit. Um, someone whose offensive versatility is great for a guy, uh, as far as a, a guy who doesn't need a lot of shots, but can fit well with what Minnesota is trying to do from that position. Only 24, um, and he definitely got the minutes. He played almost 30 minutes a night. Uh, what do you think about Wancho moving forward? Do you think that he will stay in Minnesota? One would, would imagine that that's kind of the going uh, thought process being that you know, Minnesota did target him, it seems, in this trade. Yeah, he, Wancho is another one of those guys who's always been a good player, but was just buried in that really, really, really deep nugget swing rotation and never yeah. really got a chance until he got to Minnesota. You can kind of throw Malik Beasley, who we'll talk about in a minute, in that boat as well. But, yeah, I, I really like Wancho, um, just someone who can play both forward spots. Again, more of a natural four, but – really, really shot the ball really, really well in Minnesota. I don't think he's going to keep it up at that level. But yeah. someone who, again, is someone he, – he's not a great defender, but he's not the worst in the world. Um, he has, again, he has that length. He has height. Another guy who's a little bit thin, but guarding fours and threes, I don't think that's as, as much of a problem as far as that frame goes. But, yeah, I think – He's a restricted free agent. I definitely think that Minnesota tries to bring him back. He's not going to cost him that much. I see him as kind of a. What do you What do you have as a, a value for him as far as a 
a salary per year. I have him as more of a seven to nine million a year type of guy, maybe on the lower end of that six seven. I was kind of going between six and eight personally, um, just because I mean he played well, small sample size. I mean in terms of you know if you, you can get either restricted. So if someone wants to throw you a bigger offer, then we can reevaluate from there. But I'm starting low just because I mean. I don't look at – it's not like Malik Beasley where I look and I go, okay, you fill a position need that we can lock you up long-term here. Wancho can fill that position. You know, he may be able to lock it up long-term. Like, he's not someone I think, based on the way he played, he played very solidly, that I'm looking at and I go, okay, he's the guy. So, I'm looking 7 to 9. I, I might go to 10. I highly doubt, especially in this market right now. Um, well, yeah, he's not going to go above the mid-level, so that's about as high as you'd have to go for him. Oh, well, then, yeah, you have to take the lower side of that then. If you if you if if I'm if I'm in Minnesota, I mean here's my thing on on one. I, I think that he was buried behind um, a lot of talented front court guys in Denver for a minute, but I still don't look at him as like like I do Malik Beasley, where he's had the time and now you know he, he he's shown that okay he's one of those guys that should have been here all along. I feel like Juan is definitely a guy who showed that he should have got more minutes, and that's kind of where where uh, my uh, love affair with him ends. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think, at least as of right now, he will slot in. You know, we have to see what happens in the draft. We have to see what happens as far as trades and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think he probably starts he, – he slots in as the starting power forward on this team right now, so he definitely does have a role to play. For sure. And like I said, I, I, he's a valuable player, but I don't think, especially in this market, he's going to have a super – he's not going to be the most sought-after guy by any stretch. And like I said – He's fairly young, so maybe you have one of these rebuilding teams that really goes after him. But you look at a team like Charlotte, you know, that has cap space. I don't see them looking for another forward. Um, Detroit, I think they're going to be more concerned bringing back Christian Wood than they're going to be bringing in someone like Juancho. New York is New York. They'll, they don't need <laughs> to hurt Best that. way to describe them. <laughs> They're they're gonna trade for for Russell Westbrook or Andre Drummond or somebody and mess up their cap space, but um. Anyway, I, I, so I, I don't think that his market is gonna get past the mid level, and I think at that mark, the team will should bring him back again. I think he, he does play an important role on this team, especially right now where they are a little bit thin at power forward. You, you have Spellman, maybe you have. James Johnson and Claw Martin can fill in some minutes there, but I think he's definitely your, your go-to guy at the power forward, so I would definitely expect them to bring him back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's someone that I don't see them walking on him, just off the principle of the fact that they traded for him um, alongside yeah. the guy we're going to talk about in Malik Beasley. So, you're right. However, my phones are on. It's just like one of those guys that you're like, hey, you know, he, he doesn't have a future there, and like you said, there is a, a hole in power forward that – I hope that they would go a different direction to fill, but I could definitely see him going with who they traded for. Um, with that being said, let's go to the other guy who came over with Ernan Gomez, and that was Malik Beasley. We already talked about him a little bit before already, 20 points per game, 42% from the free throw line, or three-point line. This is something I thought was interesting. Um, pulled this up for zone coverage as far as the stat for, for uh, Beasley. In 59 games that Beasley played between 20 and 29 minutes, he shot 45% from the field and 40% from three. Not bad. It's pretty solid, right? That's pretty solid. Exactly. In the 31 career games where you bump that up between 30 and 39 minutes per game, he's shooting 48% from the field and 42% from three. So with more minutes in his, in his career, he's actually raised that. And this includes, of course, this stint over in Minnesota. But he's had those uh, same kind of flashes in Denver. 
And for someone, you know, undersized defensively, again, join the club, not going to be super great. There's a lot of work for him to do. But offensively, he fits right into Ryan Saunders' system. His shooting is electric. Um, he's one of those guys, man. I mean, his strong play came at a great time for a payday, and fortunately so did um, legal issues just over a couple weeks ago that may uh, – well, there's no may, and it's definitely going to impact um, how yeah, much he gets yeah. and, and, and all of that moving forward. But – what are your thoughts on Beasley uh, just in general and looking forward? Because I think it's even weird now to try to find a, a dollar amount for him because uh, we just know whatever it is is going to take a hit, unfortunately, or, or, or because of what yeah. ended up happening. Yeah. Um, well, you, you just look at, again, him as a player, someone who, again, is going to struggle on defense. You know, like you said, join the club, the D-low cat. <laughs> just going to shoot the ball all day. Yeah. and Maybe we'll run back on defense. Maybe we won't. We'll but see. overall, yeah, someone who can – can really fill it up. Um, never, like, uh, like we said earlier, just a guy who never really got an opportunity to fully, you know, show what he's got in Denver. Came over to Minnesota, played outstanding. He was somebody who I, you know, really believed. You know, this was in a in a pre-COVID world where obviously the salary cap was going to increase, and he didn't get arrested. I thought he was someone who could have commanded like twenty million dollars a season. And the free agency this yeah. year. Yeah, you know, it went crazy. Looking at him now, um, again, obviously the market is down just because of COVID, so there's not as much money to spend. And the fact that he got arrested for, I think, what was it, drug charges, I think yeah. that's, that's going to turn some teams away from him. Um, yeah, I, I struggle with him because, again, like how, how can you really tell you know, how teams view him right now? I'm just I'm not sure he's again kind of in that spot where the Detroits and the New Yorks I'm not sure if they're going to be pursuing him because of what's happened. You know, maybe that turned him off. Maybe it didn't. You know, you never know. Exactly. But I I expect him to be back in Minnesota. And I I still expect Minnesota to bring him back. <sighs> And like I said, it, it completely depends on, you know, how they view him and how serious everything is. Obviously, you know, us as outsiders don't have all of the information on what happened. But maybe of course. 10, 10 to 12 million a year, maybe for him. Yeah. Maybe more than that, if you're Minnesota and you can offer him, you know, whatever. But he definitely doesn't have leverage. Oh, yeah. No, all that is gone completely kaput. Um, and you're right. That seems like a decent range. He was someone that was, I mean, even before this hit was going to get some massive amounts of money um, going in because he definitely earned it. And, and there was a little bit more sample size before that. So there's even more weight behind why he was going to get his payday. Um, and then this situation obviously unfolded here. So yeah, I'm still obviously going to put in more than I would want. So, um, and that depends on if, you know, it, we don't know, is Minnesota going to bring him back? You would imagine so. Uh, but then again, there's stuff now that is, kind of out of the traditional, okay, play and, and you know, this contract you deserve. There's, there's some real, uh, I don't want to say real life issues because all of it's real, but there's some stuff outside of basketball that has to be taken into consideration. And with that, you know, will come the termination of his contract or his return to Minnesota. So definitely a lot to consider there. If he does come, I do like the contract range you gave him. I think that is a lot more um, in line with what he'll be getting. It was already going to have a knock just because of the financial environment now. I was thinking more like 15 to 17, maybe. Um, but now I'm definitely in that 10 to 12 range. Um, and just kind of seeing what happens from there. So with that, uh, let's kind of go into uh, – the draft picks and, and future assets for Minnesota, and they're very interesting because they have pick 
one, pick 17, yeah. and pick 33. So, I mean, let's start with, with number one. And honestly, I want to get your take on who you would like the Timberwolves to select number one overall, if you want them to select in the first place. Well, I think, obviously, everyone, you know, kind of feels the same way on this. Is If the Timberwolves have a good deal to move down, you do it. I, I just yep. I, At this point, I don't think that's going to happen. I think everybody realizes that the number one pick really it just isn't what the number one pick is in the normal draft. So I do expect them to make the pick. I just I don't think that they're going to find what they're looking for. You know, I mean, they've seen Aaron Gordon floated around uh, other players, and I just I don't know if that's really a needle mover for him, Aaron Gordon. Um, he, he would help again. You know, you talk about that kind of whole power forward. He would be their starting power forward. He would help the defense. But overall, I, I see them keeping the pick. Um, we've seen reports that you know they've been a team that's worked out Lamelo Ball. Uh, I think overall that seems to be the, in most people's opinion who they're going to take. Yeah. When the lottery first happened, I had them as taking Edwards, and obviously that was a while ago. But I just think he kind of fits into what they're doing the best of the top three guys. I, I will say, of the top three guys being Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Weissman, none of these guys have a nice fit in Minnesota. Obviously, Lamelo Ball can't play defense, and he plays the same position as D'Angelo Russell. James Wiseman is a bad fit with Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards is basically another Malik Beasley on the wing who's just going to take a lot of shots and, and maybe make a lot of shots, but again, you know, not play a lot of defense probably. Mm-hmm. Edwards is someone who has the physical tools to play defense, but I just don't think he's smart enough on that end. I, I mean, I don't mean to insult his intelligence, but he just no. he, he doesn't really have that that feel, you know, that Awareness. a lot of guys yeah. have, and he doesn't always seem engaged on that end either. So, if I have to say who I think they'll take, I think they'll probably end up taking Lamelo Ball. Um, I'm not as high on Lamelo as a lot of people are. Me neither. But I, I just I'm not sure if he's gonna be you know one of those. I don't know. I I just don't really I don't see it with Lamelo Ball. I don't see him, especially in a place like Minnesota, where again there's a lot of overlap with with D'Angelo Russell. You know, both guys who are gonna want the ball a lot and two guys who are really just going to be really, really bad on defense, I think that might not work out too well. But I just have a feeling that that's where the, the direction they're going to go. I'm with you. I, I I mean, I hope they don't. I actually like Anthony Edwards a lot better there. And I agree. There's not an ideal fit for number one. If you could trade out of it, by all means, do so. Unfortunately, we don't see that happening. Uh, not even a whole lot of traction out there for that. LaMelo Ball, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because – I guess he doesn't make any more sense than anyone else, but he doesn't make any specific sense to me because as a front office in Minnesota, you just brought over D'Angelo Russell, um, obviously to to work as your point guard of the future, but more or less to appease Carl Anthony Towns. The last thing you want to do is make D'Angelo Russell feel any job security by another ball brother, because remember, this already happened in L.A. No, but um, yeah. but, but but in a serious note, you don't, because right now I don't like either of those guys, uh, a Lamelo or Russell's ability to play off the ball. So you can't spend it with the PR of, oh, we could just have one play on and one play off the ball. Yes, Russell's shooting can kind of scale up to that ability, but the way he plays, he likes to play on ball. That's just how it was going to happen. And that's kind of what his belief was probably when he was brought in. So that doesn't make the most sense to me. Um. Even the Lamelo size could have him kind of 
uh, be a decent defender if a defend if defending was one of his strengths, but unfortunately it isn't. So I just would not go that way in general. I would go Anthony Edwards, number one. Uh, you're getting a guy who at best could be a Malik Beasley replacement if you need that, uh, depending on what happens there. That just came to mind a couple weeks ago. Before that, he was someone that could play the two. Um, yeah, he's what, 6'3", but with his frame and strength, he could even probably swing to the three in some small ball lineups, I thought, uh, and make that work. You're already committing to not playing defense with two of your you know, building blocks just being completely inept on that end with both uh, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns and Angelo Russell. So so why start now? And you're not going to draft uh, uh, Isaac Okoro or anyone like that that could actually help you in the defensive end first overall to begin uh-huh. with. If you, <laughs> if you yeah. trade it down, then maybe that's more of a possibility. But that's not going to happen. And you're not bringing in James Wiseman out of the question with the Carl Anthony Towns there. So it really does come down to LaMelo and Edwards. And so that's why I feel you go Edwards. Plus, it makes your offense more explosive. And and, and that's probably what you're looking at, in my mind, if you're Minnesota. Yeah, we're not going to be a defending team. We're not. That's not what we have already. That's not what we're going to get. So we're just going to have to outscore you. And we have multiple weapons with which to do so. And that's what I'm looking at Minnesota as um, doing. And that's why I like Anthony Edwards there. But I I think I'm with you. I'm just not high on on LaMelo. I feel like a lot of his skills that he's so great, we've heard about for Lonzo. And, And, yes, those skills are great. Um. Are they as transferable as people may think? No. I mean, you, people are talking about Lonzo Ball and Showtime. Like, we haven't seen that in yeah. L.A. or New Orleans. I think, you know, obviously we compare them because they're brothers, but I do think they are very different players. Oh, yeah, Not completely different. That was unfair of me to say that like that. They are they are different players. You know, they have different play styles. Um, I, I do think that, one, Lonzo is a, a much – better defender than LaMelo is and will ever be. Um, I just think he's more built, too, than, than LaMelo is. LaMelo is just so, so skinny. Both kind of have their, their own problems with their shot in different ways. But I also see LaMelo as someone who is going to be a lot more of an on-ball player than Lonzo. Lonzo kind of seems like, you know, Lonzo seems comfortable in that in that secondary playmaker kind of role, you know, as I, I think – Drew Holiday was an interesting fit next to him because they could both just kind of, you know, share ball handling responsibilities and mm-hmm. share playmaking responsibilities. And I think that's a role that he played well in. But, yeah, I, I just don't think – I never really saw the star potential for Lonzo, and I don't see it for Lamelo either. Yeah, yeah. I think bottom line, that's, that, that's where I'm with you on, for sure. I think bottom line, I, I kind of have to agree with you on that. Yeah. I just – I mean – it, it just it doesn't pop to me, you know, great passer, you know, someone who uh, I don't know. And, yeah, they're, they're different. So I don't want to go back down the same rabbit hole. But the infatuation with the guy who his skills could be amazing at the NBA level. But more than likely, I mean, when I draft number one, I'm drafting like a difference maker. And I think the boom bust potential is definitely there. But, um, yeah, that's what I'm looking at number one. Uh, do you have any thoughts for anyone uh at number 17, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm looking more like an archetype at that point. Yeah, let's get yours. Well, one, one more thing I just want to say about LaMelo really quick is that he's also had terrible pre-draft interviews. And, I mean, I think that shows a little bit about his character. And that might be another cause for concern there as well. But um, moving on to, yeah, number pick 17, or pick number 17, I should say. I think... First of all, you know, that, that's kind of later than, you know, you would like it to be. Yeah. I think if a guy like Sadiq Bey or Aaron Neesmith slips, I think this team should be all over that. I think, you know, someone who can give you a lot of minutes at the wing is someone that they should target with this pick. 
I've also mm-hmm. seen a little bit of RJ Hampton maybe being the guy there. Um, I don't know how you feel about RJ Hampton, but um, for me, I guess kind of a combo guard um, it has potential to play defense. I don't really buy the shot with him, but um, a really good athlete, you know, long, fast, can play really, really well in transition. Yeah, I've seen a lot of for RJ comparisons to Zach Levine. I don't really buy that. I, I see him fitting into more of like the Dante Exum mold than I do the Zach Levine mold, which are two very, very different players. Mm-hmm. But um, again, a lot, a lot of people are a lot more bought on him than I am. Um, a lot of people are more bought in on the shot than I am. So we'll just have to see there. I do have one question for you as far as you know what they can do with this draft pick. Mm-hmm. At number 17, they are a team that could very, very well be in position to take Alexei Pokashevsky, which is like the biggest roll of the dice in the draft. What do you think of that selection there? Uh, it's weird. I don't know. I feel like I've heard about him. I mean, like this kind of playmaking big who can kind of shoot a little bit, and I guess the potential is there. Um, I, what was the weird player cop I heard about him? One second. I'm trying to remember now. I don't think um, there is a player cop for him. I mean, he's like – Well, that's – uh-huh. He, I, I, you could say like Porzingis is maybe, but he's like – I don't know. He's a seven-footer that like is like 200 pounds. Like he's uh, there was just one, like someone who uh, looks like he could be like so brilliant. But there's just so much wrong with him as well. It's it's such a weird player. It's like I said, it's really the biggest roll of the dice in the draft. Yeah, no, I I know. Just I don't know if it was Sam Vecini. I want to think it was Sam Vecini or yeah. I think I'm leaning that way. I was listening to a pod and they were talking. I'm going, we don't know what to call him. And they came with a comparison. It wasn't Porzingis. I forget now. I'm not gonna remember. But they're like, it's hard to put a comparison to the guy. They said the exact same thing you're saying. Like. He could be amazing. He could be. We don't know. Um. With that being said, with Minnesota, you have too many questions. I say no. Um. I mean, at best, is he going to supplant Carl Anthony Towns? Like, is that like in terms of moving forward? Are they going to be able to play together? I, I don't. I don't feel it. I just think you already have a team that has so many. I don't know. I, I guess it would depend on what the front office wants to do. Because like, if you have the chance, hey, let's get this guy that could really grow into something for us. Um, besides, we don't know what's going to happen with Anthony and, and Russell, and we see how fast teams have changed. Just a year ago, a calendar year ago, it was Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns, and now it's a whole new core. So you can go by by that logic and go, okay, you know, we're just going to swing with the best available player and go from there. Or you can say, okay, we're trying to win now. We're trying to uh, start to appease these guys. Again, Carl Anthony Towns the guy you're trying to work for right now to make sure he's happy, um, and it's been a hell of a year for him, so make sure you can do what you can on that end. Do you want to trade that pick and see if you can get, like, another contributor? Um, it's definitely not going to be any star or anything. Or maybe a more win-now prospect um, with some more transferable skills off the top. Ah, that's a great question, Justin. I'm a have to lean no-ish. But, like, I don't feel great about that. I just I, – I Googled really quick Alexei Pokashevsky player comp. NBA DraftNet – or .NET has Dragon Bender as his player comparison. So, oh my God! Little little red flag there, but um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big old, big old. Wow, that's uh. Yeah, the more I think about, it, no, we don't need that. You don't need to do that. You gotta, you gotta hit on as many as you can. I like the boom bust potential there, but if there's more bust to it, then 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 no. Watch him go to the Spurs and flourish. I think that there's like a ten percent. I won't even say 10% chance, like a 5% chance that he turns into like an outstanding player mm-hmm. and like a 92% chance 
50% chance that he is out of the league in like four years. And then maybe that other like little 3% or whatever is that he just becomes a, a, a normal role player. But I really see him as like he's either going to be incredible or he's just going to be so skinny and not going to, you know, make an impact on defense and or on offense. And he's going to yeah. get hurt and be out of the league quick just because, again, he, he seems like someone who is just destined to get injured at the NBA mm-hmm. level, the physicality of it. And him, I just don't know if he's going to be ready for that. But if, if you're just looking to take a swing, again, at number seven, like that's not a, a you know, the, the number 17 overall pick in this draft is not going to determine the future of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I think, you know, there are probably better options, but you could take the swing there if you wanted to. Exactly. But it, it's worth, it's, it's, it's a shot that is available if they choose to take it. And then at 33, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that pick in general. If you can find a flyer on a guy that can kind of help you on the back end, you kind of look at what we just talked yeah. about Nas Reed and how he went undrafted and was still able to contribute. So that there's never say never with those kind of picks, but I don't have anyone offhand that I'm looking at going, yeah, you know, Minnesota needs to keep their eyes open for this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think one guy who, if he's there, you might consider is Jaden McDaniels. Because, again, he's Ooh, a, really, yeah. a, a bigger wing, you know, someone who is really, really long. And another guy who's just kind of you taking a swing on, and especially on this team, I think, you know, plays w- would play a position of need. Just, okay. you know, again, being able to fill in some of those wing and power forward minutes. That is somebody who I would like there. Um, other than that, you're looking at maybe, like, you know, maybe you bring in Cassius Winston as to be your third point guard. Maybe yeah. you look at, I doubt Malachi Flynn would be available at that point. Uh, he he might be, maybe, you know. I mean, obviously, it's the second round. You never know. That's another guy who would work That's there. True. Um, maybe Grant Riller's there. I don't really love the Grant Riller fit in Minnesota, just being another high-value no. shot taker that plays no defense. But, again, you're, you're just taking the guy who you think, you know, is going to be an NBA player when they're drafting in the second round. So maybe they think it's him. But, um, maybe. Yeah, overall, it's 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 impossible to predict who's going to go with the 33rd pick. <laughs> For real. And, and we're not going to try it over here on this end. Um, but, I mean, we did already try, so I guess we can't say. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we did try, but um, <laughs> you we're guys, more than likely going to fail. <laughs> exactly. But it'll be fun to look back on for sure. So um, let's kind of move on from that more to free agency. Um, Justin, are there any free agent targets you think or want them to pursue? I'm just going to throw out one name. I'm going to say real quick, Jeremy Grant. I mean, if, I don't know if they're going to be able to have enough money to pay Jeremy Grant. Like, if, if they re-sign their own guys, like, mm-hmm. I don't really know if this team has a need to go after free agents. Like, I, James Johnson is going to pick up his player option. I think you, you should re-sign Malik Beasley, and you should re-sign Juancho Hernan Gomez, and then you're looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 players under contract, and then you're adding three picks. Now, you could get rid of, like, a, a, an Omari Spellman or a Jacob Evans, but I think that this team pretty much has their roster set, you know, after they add these draft picks, unless, you know, some trades happen. I just I don't see them being active on the free agency market at all. And if they are, I think it'll be, you know, two-way signings or just other small moves around the margins. That makes sense. I get you. I just think that Grant would be a perfect Swiss Army knife type of guy. Oh, yeah. He gets in between oh, the yeah. three and the four. You know, I think he's definitely an upgrade over uh, 
Wancho, if we're looking at that, maybe definitely not cheaper in that way. But in my mind, I mean, I guess coming from Denver, too. So <laughs> there you go on that end. But <laughs> yeah. for 36, you know, 15 points, five rebounds, uh, a block a game, just under a steal, uh, just under two assists. Um, you already said it, it, it's going to be a cap strap free agency in general. So maybe he's available for the full mid-level, which what that's what, $9.7 million, something like that. He's, um, he's going to go more than that. He's gonna, you think so? For he's going to pay him. Yeah. Yeah. Darn, I was really okay. Cause I just a guy that can guard one through five, that has great physical tools, that has become a a, a great, uh, a very good shooter. I don't want to say great shooter, very good shooter. Uh, he started really developing that three point shot in OKC, and it really transferred well into uh, Denver. So if he, yeah, if he's priced out, then this is a pipe dream that I wasted two minutes talking about. But I was, um, I was really, sure, really. I, I love the fit with him too. There, I really, I think he would be a perfect fit in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth. Yeah, exactly. But if he's gonna be over, if he's gonna be overpaid in that way, then yeah. And you're right. The more I think about, like, you have all these trades and stuff happening, someone's gonna give him money and money that he deserves, to be frank. But I just like that fit in in Minnesota. But you know, oh well, we got two K. Um, we always have two K. Exactly. Well, I guess that kind of closes out with players that you know. If there isn't anyone else, I'm really excited about that they can pursue. Um, I don't think Gallo's a good fit at all. I, I don't see anyone there. That the more names I talk out, the yeah. more unlikely it's going to be. So we'll keep that smoothly going past. But I'm glad we did take a minute to talk about uh, Grant, even though it's simple. They don't. They can't afford him. <laughs> there you go. You can't afford me. <laughs> there we go. All right. So Cavaliers huh? gonna pursue at one point, but um, mm-hmm. similar to. To the Timberwolves, he's just going to be out of the price range. So I, I I could see Grant making like upwards of sixteen million a year. Oh wow, yeah, that's wow. I mean, you're right. I, After the bubble run that he had, he a team I, I could really see a team paying him a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think that I, might be an overpay. I think that might be an overpay, but I I think that it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah, because that money's not making him a star. He's still a role player no matter where he goes. He's just a dang good role player. Now, can he get overpaid yeah. for what he is? Yeah, but, like, he's good. Yeah, and no, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, But, yeah, we'll have to see kind of where that happens. I'm just intrigued by – this isn't Minnesota Pacific anymore. I'm intrigued by where Grant does go, whether Denver retains him or he goes somewhere else, and if so, who targets him, you know? So that'll be, that'll be interesting, especially since unrestricted, you know. Denver can break the bank, but they got to look at who they got moving forward to and – if they're going to be in the hunt for Drew Holiday, whatever the case may be. So uh, we can go on and that another time. But that, that's something I think is interesting. Um, but yeah. moving back to Minnesota, Justin, uh, how do you think this should go next season? Is it another year of development? Is it an attempt to turn the corner for a more competitive unit? What do you think it should be? I tend to lean toward the latter only because I'm looking at the situation and, you know, jobs will be on the line pretty soon if they don't start winning because similar to Phoenix, you have a guy in – you know, Devin Booker in Phoenix, he wants to win now. He's been a couple of bad teams losing. Carlton Towns, the exact same thing in Minnesota. So I don't know if that should be the direction they're going, but that's where I think they will. But what about you? Where do you think they're going? Yeah, I think they're going to try. Um, you know, you, you have your two guys. You got D'Lo, you got Cat. You're probably going to have a number one overall pick. I think they're going to take a shot at it. I just don't think it's going to work. Um, I think mm. they're probably going to finish as a bottom three team in the West. Um, probably OKC in Minnesota and whoever the heck else, maybe Sacramento, they always seem to fail. But um, the West is just too good. You know, maybe if they're in the East, you know, you, you have more of a case for them to try. But the West is just too difficult for them. And 
again, it would take, like, I don't even know what it would take. It would take this number one pick really panning out right away, mm-hmm. or you trade for, like, an impact player who does more than you hoped for. You know, Cap's going to have to really turn it around on defense, like I said, and really just become, like, Cat would have to be an MVP candidate to, to get this. <laughs> possible, but not, yeah, not likely, possible, but it's possible, but, yeah. Again, D'Lo would have to really just – everything would have to break right for this team to get into the playoffs. And, again, like I said, I think you know, Cat and D'Lo, that's what they want. But I just I, – I think they're going to be a team that's going to try to compete. And then, like, 15 games and it's going to be like, whoa, like, we're – we're like five and ten. Like maybe this wasn't what we were supposed to do. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. So I mean, I guess that kind of goes to the next question. This is a a, a truth moment right here, uh, Justin. Will the Timberwolves make the playoffs next year? No. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your answer. I, I like I like the moment of suspense you gave us, though. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think – I mean, there's too many teams too talented in the Western Conference for sure. Um, I, I just – yeah, I just don't see it happening. I think too many things have to break right, and even then I see like a, a 36 and 46 finish. And I mean, maybe it's a 20 uh, – I'm not even going to do the math on that. It's not 82 games, 72 games. So what, 26 and 36? Yeah. Uh, whatever the math is, yeah. I don't even care. Exactly. You, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I guess with that, you know, we've we've gone on for a minute now, and I appreciate your time as always, Justin. Oh wow, over an hour and change. Me and you get some long pods here. Let's um uh, let's go on down to superlatives. Let me kind of breeze through those if you want. Yeah. So best player on the Wolves. I, I mean, why is it cat? <laughs> You're gonna disrespect Josh Okogie like that? Oh my gosh. He, he called me out again on this. Listen, man, Okogi <laughs> is the goat, but no point. <laughs> no, we're 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 going with Carl here. Of course, We're going to go with Carl Anthony. Now, now this, one, this one might be a Koji level one. Um, who's the worst player receiving at least semi-significant minutes? And at first, I know when last time he came on, I just did the worst player that was on the roster. But oh, I realized man. most people could just pick the last guy on the bench. So what I ended up doing was looking at teams and going, okay, think Patrick McCall with the Raptors. Like a guy who should not be playing as much as he is. You look at me and go like, why are you in the game? You know, like that same, it, almost like Phil Jackson's like affinity for uh, – Luke Walton, who was a decent passer, but a little else, back with the Lakers. Or guys that just come in the game and just like, uh, but why, though? You know? Yeah, I was so ready to crap all over Jacob Evans, and he just took the win <laughs> out of the field. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. Um, uh, we'll, we will go with Jared Culver. Again, he was a rookie. It's not necessarily his fault, but he, he, he did struggle a lot on both ends of the floor. He was fine on defense, but he struggled on offense a lot, and overall was undoubtedly in that negative form. So I'll go with Jared Culver. Okay, we'll go with that. I'm good with that. All right, play with the highest potential. That's interesting. I, I mean, unless you think it's Cat again, who, who do you think can really come and flourish? Well, it's it's undoubtedly Cat, but other than that, you know, I mean, it's probably still D'Angelo Russell, but Malik Beasley, like that yeah. dude can score the ball. Yes, that's probably the, the three in order is Cat, D'Lo, and Malik. Which, I mean, would also, in turn, kind of go in line with the best players moving forward for Minnesota, barring what they do with the number one pick and, and, and everything else there. So, completely yeah. with you at that end. All right, um, player most likely to be moved next year. I mean, you have a few candidates um, between uh, Lehman and James Johnson, but if you have any sleepers, you let us know. I'm going to say Culver again. 
Um, okay. You know, okay. I mean, there's, there's You'll already like that, rumors dude. that you know they they might want to move on from him. And again, if we if we just don't see the progression, I think he's making a fair amount of money too because he was such a high pick. Mm-hmm. So I I would not be surprised to see them move on from Colbert even like before the season starts. I mean, listen, you've said enough that I'm now officially on notice. So I'm about to take that uh, take that with uh, a little more uh, weight than I was originally. I'm like, of course he's staying. He just got drafted. He's only 20, but there's a couple times that I, I, right, I, there has been some I, scuttlebutt I've heard. I, I kind of feel the same way. Like the dude just got drafted. You know, I mean, he, he brings a little bit of defensive, you know, stuff to this team, which we know how badly they need it. But it, it looks like he could be on his way out, whether that's the right or wrong decision. Exactly. So, so there we are. That that's the sleeper one, y'all. That's that's the sleeper one. Jared Culver here. All right. Um, let's talk about a play that folks are really sleeping on in Minnesota. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any offhand that I mean. Actually, no, that's not true. I have Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin. I feel McLaughlin's got some more love recently though, so I'm gonna give it to Nas Reed. All right. I, I had two guys on my list as well. Um, oh, let's hear. McLaughlin was one of them. Definitely McLaughlin. Like, that dude is, like, he's a legit player. You know, you don't really hear his name circulate a lot. You've heard a little bit more now. I think just because he's going to be, a, like, maybe a resurgent free agent. So, you know, the, yeah. the name's out there a little bit. People are talking about him a little bit. The other guy that they had was Josh Okoge. Like, you don't hear the name Josh Okoge, you know, in, in the world of NBA Twitter or NBA national media. It's just not a guy you hear a lot about. But that dude True. is an impact player. Like, he, he's, he's a real... He's a real guy, and I think I, I don't know. It just I feel like a lot of times, you know, those those energy players, you know, it took Tory Craig a while to get realized or recognized, I should say. I think Okogi's kind of in that same boat as far as you know, like it's his time's coming. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Okogi for this one. I'm gonna give him the the superlative. All right, there we go. I mean, you give you give me giving him some love. I think I think it's safe to say between uh between Okogi and Culver, where you stand. No, yeah, between the two of them, I think you're Team Josh. Oh, for sure, undoubtedly Team Josh. There you go. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it, man. I, I got to be Team God uh, Jerry just because. Why not? All right, but um, let's why go not? to the <laughs> let's go to the no, 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 yes player. I know you remember this from my last time, but that one guy who yeah. takes a shot and you're like, what in the world? And then, then you're the biggest fan when they make it. I struggled to find one here, like. With the Timberwolves, like, you know, maybe Nas Reed is that guy because he just takes some ill-advised ones. But at the same time, I like Nas Reed so much. So, like, I always think they're going to go in. Um, <laughs> so, if, if I have to follow the rules, I'll go with Nas Reed. But if I can break the rules here and just go with the no, 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 no guy, I'm going to go with Jacob Evans. Wow. Because it's probably not going to go in. <laughs> so, it's whatever you're least optimistic about that you have to go with the no, no. Because on the off chance the shot goes in then you are, like, okay with it. Yeah, yeah. So wow, okay, I'm with official it. Official answer, Naz Reed. Unofficial answer, Jacob Evans. Sounds like a plan. I mean, we can all get behind that. <laughs> all right, let's go to the, the last two here. Um, I think this first one's pretty self-explanatory, unless you got any significant twist on me. Uh, the top two guys you go to when the game is on the line. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I'm about to say, let's keep it simple, stupid. No reason to keep it moving any more than that. It's pretty obvious. That's why they got those two. It's why they paired them together. Uh, by a wide margin, I give it to Cat. Right after that, give it to uh, D'Angelo. And then maybe several steps down, I go to Malik Beasley. He's he's catching up, though. All right, yeah. now here's an interesting one. 
Uh, well, not really. I guess depending on how you feel. The top two guys to go to for clutch, defensive possession. Josh Okogie and Jared Culver. They're two best playing defenders. They're probably two best defenders, period. You know, maybe you throw James Johnson into that discussion a little bit, but mm-hmm. Okogie is definitely your number one guy, and if I have to find a second, I'll go with Culver. I mean, you made that fit so nice to me, man. Uh, always, bro. Pleasure having you on. This is Justin Matcham, host of Central Pod. All around good guy. You're going to be hearing from him more real soon, so just stay tuned. But in the meantime, between time, follow him on Twitter at JustinMatch26. Justin, thanks again, man, for coming on. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I mean, these, these are a lot of fun to do. These are a lot of fun to prep for. Mm-hmm. Um, we got another one coming soon, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, sir. And I might rope you up for a couple. No, I'm playing. Anyway, I appreciate <laughs> hey, you, Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a plan, man. As always, thank you. Uh, the rest of y'all, man, stay tuned. Uh, follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Follow HoopBallHoop-Ball.com um, on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Make sure to check out the great content coming out there. Not only our podcasts and everything, but you do have the NBA Draft Guide out now for all the fantasy needs. You have the Brewski 150. You have the Fancy Pass. You have HoopBall360. Check all that good stuff out. You can do that at Hoop-Ball.com or go um, HoopBall Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, as far as uh, myself, you know where to find me. We're going to have some good stuff coming out. More team stuff. We got the draft next week, so we'll get to that. We got another one with Justin. We're looking forward to doing. You'll have that soon. And until then, man, you know, I'm Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all next time. Hi, right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.